Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, a place to share new ideas, speak freely, and continuously find ways to live our best lives. And now your host, Tim Stoddart. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddart. Welcome to Tim Stodds FM. Thank you so much for joining me. Some quick announcements before we get started. One, I'm getting married on Sunday. Today's date is actually April 12th. Um, When this gets released, it'll be released on Monday, um, Monday, April 22nd. And I'm going to be in Norway. Me and my then, my soon-to-be then wife uh, are going to be traveling all around Norway. Uh, We don't really know where we're going. We only booked Airbnbs for three days. Uh, So I'm excited to kind of document that journey and, and share it with you guys. But but nonetheless, my family is, is starting to pour in. My friends are starting to pour in. And I'm just really excited about the whole thing. And I, and I wanted to start off this episode with just giving a, a quick thanks and uh, some gratitude for all the people that have showed me love over the years with my writing, with my work, with my podcast. Uh, without having you guys to feed me and to continuously inspire me, I don't know if I would be in a spot where I am. And I'm extremely grateful for all of that. So from me to you, from Juliana and I to you, thank you so much for all the love and support. Up next, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Tim Stodds coaching platform. I have been working with clients through all different verticals of online marketing and online business and coaching people on the ins and outs of how to build a digital enterprise. So does that mean you have a brick and mortar business and you need to bring in some more foot traffic? I can help you out. Does that mean you have an an e-commerce store that you're trying to work on? I can help you out. You're trying to build a personal brand. You're trying to sell courses. You're trying to sell subscriptions or some kind of product. I can help you out. I love working with clients. It's one of my favorite things that I do um, in all of my line of work. So timstods.com slash coaching to find out more. All right, enough with all the hoopity doopity. My guest today is one of the most inspiring people I've ever spoken to. His name is Gerald Jones. He is the creator of a podcast called buyblackpodcast.com. He is a black business owner and he is relentless in his mission to be of service and to provide value to the black community, the African-American community, and to help other business owners network and just get that independence that we all look for. He's a former Marine. He's a father. Aside from his podcast, he does have his own side business as well. And man, like it was just so good to speak to him. He's got such a good heart. He like really comes from a super authentic place. He's extremely well-spoken. It was an honor to speak to him. I know you're going to love this podcast episode. Seriously, dial in, listen. He's got so much knowledge and so much good advice and just so much good insight on like what it takes to be happy. Love talking to this guy. Please help me welcome my new friend, Gerald Jones. 
All right, here we go, man. Hey, Gerald, thank you so much for coming on my show. I, I really appreciate your time. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Tim, for inviting me on. I'm really looking forward to this conversation, man. You, you got a lot of energy, and I'm trying to feed off of that. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot, actually. Um, I don't know where it all comes from, but for, for this particular moment, I, I'll tell you what I am excited about. Um, w- with speaking to you in general, we, we kind of had a little conversation but before we started recording um, as to, you know, like where we met and how we got connected. And this is probably the first time that I'm just jumping right into a conversation with somebody that I don't really have any history with. Like we, we've never really, I mean, we emailed back and forth to set up the show, but I don't know much about you. Um, you don't know much about me. And so like, I'm, I'm really going into this, just trying to be as curious as possible. And I, I want to learn about your story and I want to learn about where the ideas came from for, for you to start the companies and your show. Um, so, so with that, man, I, I'm just going to jump right into it. Um, let's first just jump right into your podcast. I want to hear about your podcast. I want to hear where you came up with the idea for the Buy Black podcast. I want to know what it means to you and, and what you're trying to accomplish in the world. Absolutely. Well, thank you. So I will jump into it. The, the podcast started uh, exactly one year before it started. Uh, in the summer of 2016, uh, I had literally just finished my bachelor's degree that I've been working on for off and on for 15 years. So, you know, super efficient there. Um, But I just finished my bachelor's degree and I suddenly had nothing to do with my hands for the first time in a really long time. So I was really antsy and looking for that next thing. Mm. And I was also going through kind of a a turbulent time in the company I've been with for um, now eight years and I, I was kind of at a point where I was telling myself, you know, you can do this on your own. You don't really need uh, to be beholden to somebody else. Maybe you should go figure out what this whole entrepreneurship thing is about because you're a smart guy and I bet you could do it. So that was kind of where my brain was. And then um, in July, on July 5th of 2016, uh, the world saw this video of Alton Sterling uh, being gunned down in a convenience store parking lot in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So uh, that just hit me really, really hard. Uh, and I know it wasn't the first like thing that has happened, and it, it definitely hasn't been the last. But mm-hmm. the, I don't know what it was about that, but it just it, it took me out. And then the very next day, we see this video of Philando Castile and it was, uh, I was crushed. I mean, it's just back to back. And I don't know if it was because I suddenly had the, the mental bandwidth to process what was going on mm-hmm. uh, or the fact that, you know, my oldest son is, is now 17, about to be 18. Wow. Uh, I am a, a former, you know, uh, former Marine. I, I am a pro second amendment type person. Like, um, I can see Philando Castile as a guy who's legally holding a gun being someone like me. And, you know, a lot of times that's, that's what it is. We, when we can see ourselves in that seat and say, wow, that could have happened to me, the selfishness kicks in and we, and we suddenly say, well, I, I don't want this to happen to anybody else, which it shouldn't be that way, but we're humans and that's how it is. So I, I don't know exactly what it was, but I know that at that moment, I said, well, whatever I do, it has to be in service to the black community because I want to somehow figure out how to make this not happen anymore. And so given just my background 
and what I'm good at, which is uh, just I'm good at taking the complex and breaking it down, making it simple. I'm good at teaching things. I'm good at picking up con concepts and being able to immediately spit them back out to people in a way they can understand and digest. I said, well, I'm going to focus on, on business. I just got this business degree. I've been a consultant for almost 10 years. Like, this is my world. I'm going to figure out how to somehow make business better in the black community. And that was all I had, Tim. Like, that was, that was the idea. And, and I had no idea where I was going from there. And so it took me about nine months from... Uh, from that point, so it was around March of 2017, where the the idea for the podcast coalesced. Uh, and it really came from, I had started listening to podcasts, and then I was listening to a black entrepreneurship podcast. Then I used some visa points to to buy a, uh, a really nice microphone. I was like, well, I've got a microphone. I should do something with it, maybe a podcast someday. Mm -hmm. And then I reconnected with a friend of mine who I'd gone to church with as a kid on Facebook. And I go to check out her page and she's got all these black owned businesses that she's just promoting just for no reason, just because she's passionate about it. She wants people to know about them and support them. And that was like, that was the coalescing of all of those things at one time where it was like, <gasps> podcast, wow. podcast, uh, by, by black, by black podcast. Oh, that's too obvious. That's too obvious. Somebody's already doing that. So I went out to Apple and I was like, okay, let me find the by black podcasts that are out here and see what they're about. And this and the other. And I looked and there was nothing. There was no by black podcast anywhere of the many millions of podcasts people had made up to that point. There was zero by black podcast. So I was like, okay, so maybe we've got something here. So then I went to a black business blog and I found 20 businesses that uh, were, were kind of new in the market, but they were getting some press. And I found the emails for the owners of those businesses. And I emailed, just sent 20 cold emails out to 20 different business owners and said, hey, I've got an idea for this podcast thing. Here's what it's going to be for. Would you be interested in being a part of it? And of those 20 emails I sent out, I got 10 responses and I got five of those responses that said, heck yes, sign me up. I want to be on it. So I'm not a marketing guy, but I kind of understood the fact that a 50% uh, response uh, on a cold email and a 25% commit, I was like, holy crap, either I wrote the best email in the world or this is really a problem that business owners in the black community have and a solution would be welcomed. So it was that that really told me, hey, go fast, go far and start, start building this thing. So between March and June, like I figured out what a podcast was and what it meant to produce one and, and got all the pieces in place and got my hosting on Libsyn and, you know, the intro and the cover art and all those things. Like I learned all that stuff. Um, and then I did my first interviews and then I launched the show on July 5th of 2017 uh, because specifically I wanted that to be a very important date in the life of the podcast because it really was the day that this podcast was born, even though I didn't even know that's yeah. what it was going to be yet. You said something that really, really connected with me. Um, and, and I'll give you a little bit of background. Um, I, most people see on my website, I don't hide the fact, but I don't, necessarily promote it either that like I, I am an advocate for addiction recovery. I 
am in recovery myself. I had a terrible, terrible drug problem. And um, I've been sober. I mean, I'm 32 now. I've been sober almost 10 years. And uh, it's not a comparison to say, except you said something that kind of just made my ears perk up. And you said, I want to be of service to the black community. It's something that obviously I can uh, empathize with. I can't directly relate just because I'm not black, but I think that the approach of being of service as opposed to, you know, kind of like alienating and separating yourself from, and I, I guess, I guess in my mind, um, being militant, if, if that's the way to say it, I don't know if it is. Um, having an, an argument is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily going into it with an argument. You're trying to just be of service to people around you. And with all the work that I've done in addiction recovery, like I know that there's things about it that make me really, really angry. Um, pharmaceuticals, for instance, like the lack of resources for just these poor, poor kids that I talk to all the time and like moms with babies and can't get the help that they need. And as angry as it makes me sometimes, I always try to approach the situations where like, I'm not out here to necessarily go up against anybody. I'm here to be of service to the people that like need their message put out there. And when you said that, man, like, you know, everybody's different and we can't necessarily all relate to each other on the same exact things, but like on a fundamental level, I feel like we're all way more alike than we are different. And when I heard you say that, man, it just instantly made me relate to you. And like, I, I really appreciate you taking that viewpoint. Yeah, well, it is, it is one of the most important distinctions that, that people should make when they go out to take action on something, right? Um, I, I firmly believe that there's a place in every movement for every style of approaching that movement, right? There, there are militant people out there who are going to go out and they're going to go fight that fight. Mm -hmm. They're going to fight it intellectually. They're going to fight it with signs in the streets. They're going to fight it in, in the halls of, of our legislatures, right? They're going to, but they're going to fight. And and you need those people. But what you also need are the people who say, you know what? We know that something should be done at a government level at a business level, in the community level, we know that we need help from the outside and it's not going to come unless we go and we force people to pay attention. We need those people. But there's also those of us who say, you know what, we can't wait for that. And we need to internally do the work of teaching people how to take care of themselves, how to build that wealth, how to build those businesses, and how to, how to make it so that at whatever point in the future, things are uh, fixed, repaired, or the support is here, there are fewer people who are, who are in need of it because so many more have learned how to work their way um, up themselves. And I think it's, it's very, very similar when it comes to uh, uh, addiction advocacy, right? Because obviously there, there's a lot that the government could be doing better. There's a lot that companies could be doing better. There's, there's a whole lot that people and organizations with resources could be doing better for addiction support, but nothing 
is going to ever be as impactful one-to-one as a person who can walk up and say, I've been in your shoes. Yes. I've walked through that fire. I'm on the other side. Now let me walk with you. That's exactly it. I mean, I don't even necessarily want to comment on that because that's, that's just the foundation of it all. Like, I know what you're feeling. I know what you're going through. I've been there. Just come grab my hand and we'll get through this together. I think that's so cool, man. So, so on that, talking about these people that you've influenced, impacted, helped, give, give me some of the success stories that, you, that you've had. How has your show, how has your work with these, these small businesses and these families and these people what have been some of the outcomes? You know, it's really interesting. Some of the coolest things that have happened, I wasn't expecting with the show. Yeah. You know, I, I started the show because in my mind, um, I kept hearing people tell me what their problems were as, as they would describe them. Uh, the, the consumer base was saying, I can't find good black owned businesses to put my money into People say support Black-owned businesses. I can't find them. And when I try to search them, their websites are shut down or the doors are closed. So how can I support Black-owned businesses when I can't find them? And then I'm talking to business owners who are saying, I don't have the resources to get my voice out to enough people. I don't have the ability to go out and spend money on ads and marketing. And, and it's hard for me to draw people to me. So from the way that I was looking at it, the way that people were talking around me, I thought, well, this is easy. Just create something that draws the people together um, because they're looking for each other. And so that was the premise that I started the podcast with. What I found, however, is that <laughs> what the show became was not at all for the consumers that I thought were looking for black owned businesses so they could spend money on them. Uh, I found a lot of people that was just kind of lip service. Um, what really ended up happening is the folks in my audience turned out to be those people who were, uh, had an entrepreneurial spirit, but they didn't feel like they could do it. Mm. Um, had an entrepreneurial spirit, but the, the, examples of black business they saw were Oprah, Puffy, Jay-Z, and Beyonce. So it's like either I'm, I have a barbershop on the corner or I'm a billionaire and there's nothing in between. And those are the only options. And, and so what I found was that as I was going out and I was, I was reaching out to these black business owners who were out there to come on the show, they were coming and they were, they were, given the same million dollar advice that you would get from somebody with a big name. Uh, but the folks listening were not listening because they wanted to go spend their money with those businesses. They were listening because they wanted to learn how to start their own. And, and then I also found in a very short period of time that the, the tables turned and I wasn't reaching out to anybody anymore. I was, I was fielding emails and calls constantly from people who were saying, I want to be on your show because I had created a place that hadn't existed before where the average black business owner could come for free and they could get their voice heard without somebody trying to spin the narrative on them. And so um, when I first started the show, it was buy black, build the new black Wall Street. And, and we could completely talk about, you know, that reference to uh, what black Wall Street was back in the early 1900s. But, but it was build the new black Wall Street because I was thinking, 
get businesses in front of consumers, start spending money, and we're going to blow up. Uh, after about mm, six months, uh, no, actually, it was actually after about a year, I rebranded the show by Black, the voice of Black business, because that's what it had become, uh, a, a voice where Black business owners could come and in an unabridged way, they could share their knowledge, their experience, and they could connect. And most importantly, what ended up happening is that I started connecting professionals with professionals. And so there are a lot of established business owners who I've connected with, who I've been able to bring them business, or there are new businesses who I've been able to connect with mentors, simply because of the position I kind of put myself in as just the person that everybody comes to talk to. And so when we do our pre-interview and someone's like, oh, I'm just having a really big problem with X, immediately I'm like, I know exactly who to connect you with. When we get done with this pre-interview, I'm going to connect you with a Facebook message with this person. And then they connect and then these people start building each other. So, so my success stories have been um, less a matter of, hey, I, a business that, that was on my show suddenly blew up. Uh, much more they have been, hey, a, a person who was a very small business or a new entrepreneur who had a book coming out or who was trying to publish their first book came on my show. We started talking about their problems and immediately I said, oh, here, here's a literary consultant who was on my show. Listen to her episode and I'm going to connect you guys on Facebook Messenger and she can help you out. And that those were the success stories. I started seeing that 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 network of people, of professionals who could just turn to a mentor nearby through a warm connection through me started uh, creating more success for those smaller businesses. And then also uh, finding opportunities that we didn't even know existed um, or that could have existed until those people met. And they met because I created this beacon. I created this beacon that just draws people in and says, hey, come here if you want to be successful in business and you're a black business owner. And then through conversations, I start making connections and I get to move out of the way and just let those people go do great things. So those are some of the biggest, I know it's not like a specific, here's a dollar amount, this and the other, but, but to me, those are the biggest successes. When somebody says, I got a problem, and immediately I can say, I know the person with the solution. Hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> Sorry, I was about to talk and then I heard what you just said. I was like a delayed laughter. <laughs> I love it, man. I, I, so there's two things that I want to comment on. You're, you're building a community and God, we're, we're so similar in that so many of the things that you're saying, I just, I, I, totally relate. I have a website called Sober Nation and um, it's, it's gotten pretty big. You know, I'm not trying to like brag on, on the air or something, but it, it has a large community and I thought it was going to be similar. I thought that what the website was going to do was provide this like help center and to a large extent it does that. Um, you know, it's been around for a while. So to a large extent, it does that. But really, more than anything, the success of that site in whatever you want to, whatever your definition of the word success is, is simply that I created something where people could come on and then just connect with each other. 
and do exactly what we were talking about before. It's like, hey, I have this problem. And most of the time, me or, or someone on my team or just even somebody on the Facebook page in the community will say like, hey, I can't really solve that problem for you, but I know somebody you can. Like this person will help you out. And I just, I know how that makes me feel to be a part of that and to watch that. And that, that kind of brings me to my second point. When, when you say those things and you see those relationships taking place and, and you see that connection, like, what does that feel like, man? That's like some real important shit that, that you're doing. What does that feel like? I mean, I don't uh, have any kids. I heard you talk about your son with great pride. And obviously like you, you've have a, a large amount of discipline with your military career and like you're ridiculously articulate. So I know that that has like an impact on you. And I, I want to hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so my son, that's my oldest. I've got three more behind him. Uh, and they're all just phenomenal human beings. Um, but when we talk about being able to solve someone's problem, um, I, I have a, I tell people a lot of times, you know, you need to be able to simply uh, articulate to people what it is that you do, right? And, and not just say, I'm a, I'm a software developer or I'm a marketing guy or I'm a this and the other, but literally, why are you on this earth? And, and I am on this earth in order to solve problems, specifically complex problems and help people win. That is it. That is what brings me joy, solving problems and helping people win. And uh, another thing I talk to people about, uh, especially as part of my, um, the program that I do with small business owners, is I talk to them about their core values because as small business owners, your core values typically should be your personal core values. And mm -hmm. if you don't have those, then you're kind of missing a big piece of what it is to kind of just go out into the world and do good stuff. And, and I have one core value and that core value is love people and lead from your heart. And I didn't realize that was my core value until I was a 22-year-old corporal, uh, literally standing in front of my commander, getting corporal pinned onto my shoulders from Lance Corporal. Wow. And the commander uh, said, I will never forget these words. He said, Corporal Jones, this is the part where I would pr usually be telling you what it is that I expect from you as an NCO and how I want you to lead your Marines but I'm not going to do that because you love your Marines and you lead from your heart. And I never questioned the decision that you make for them. And then he punched me on the shoulder and he moved on. And I'm telling you that was probably the highest feeling I've ever had in my life. When somebody told me something about myself that I didn't realize that anybody else knew. Um, and that has stuck with me. And that's my core value. Love people to lead from your heart. And what's the mission? Solve complex problems and help people win. So whenever I have somebody tell me, I'm just having a problem with this. And they never, it's never like, hey, Gerald, solve my problem. It's just, you know how it happens. You're having a conversation with somebody. It's real. And they, and they get vulnerable for a second. And they just let you in a little bit into something that's just nagging at them that they've been trying to get at but they haven't figured it out and they're not really asking you to solve it for, for them. They just want to let you know, Hey, this is the thing I'm working on. And when I get to immediately in my head say, I know exactly who helps you solve that problem and then put them in touch with that person. And then that person that I put them in touch with, this is really the thing that makes me most proud. The person I put them in touch with, I haven't had a time yet where that person didn't come in immediately 
and start dumping value and love into that person, like almost within seconds most times. Mm. Here's a bunch of great information, and then here's my contact information. Send me an email. I will get you connected with the people who I'm with. And then I back out of the conversation and go away. But my biggest uh, just joy comes from when I say, I've got the person you need and then I connect them and that person is exactly who they need and their heart is exactly where I would hope it would be. And now this person who was alone suddenly has a community and they have someone who's there who's been through it solving that problem and I can just go away. I don't have to babysit it. I can just go back around my business and know this person's now taken care of. There is no greater joy uh, that I get to feel than that because that is solving someone's problem. That is putting them in position to win and I get to go do it again and again. And the great thing is I don't have to go find people to do that for. The platform I created brings them to me. So it's, it, it's hard to, I can't describe it. Their words fail, but it's, so, it's such a great feeling. Listening to you, Gerald, like I consider myself a pretty positive person. And I, I mean that, like I've been through a lot in my life and I got a pretty good outlook and like I'm from where I've come from. Like I have a ton of gratitude, but there are days where I can't help but sort of see some of like the ugliness in the world. And from listening to you, you know, this is our first conversation and I'm sure you have bad days just like anybody else, but, but the way you talk about it, you, you come across as though you have like a genuine appreciation for the good in people and, and you believe that people are always trying to help each other and your experience from what you say, like I've never had a time where it didn't happen. Obviously your, your experience is going to back that up, but I guess I'm just, just curious. This is more of like a, a personal question than I usually ask on this show, but do you think that that is something that you have to like practice and stay vigilant on just keeping like a good mindset, especially considering, you know, just the nature of the problem you're trying to solve, which is racial and always emotional for a lot of people. So, <laughs> how do you stay so positive about the whole thing? Like, where's this, this unyielding optimism come from? Um, so that's a great question. And obviously this is something that could completely, it could, it could bring you down yeah. if you only looked at the, um, at the pain that's inside of it, because there is so much that is broken. Right. And there is so much that is broken in the black community that, is going to take generations to unbreak. There's so much broken about America towards the black community that is going to take generations to unbreak. Um, those things are there. Uh, but when I was growing up, there's just, there's always these little things that stick with you. Uh, one of them was the, the serenity prayer. Uh, I grew up Christian. Uh, I literally went to uh, a, a Methodist preschool, Episcopalian elementary school, a Catholic middle school, and first year of high school. So I went to a Baptist it, church. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I, in the military, I taught um, I taught Islam to people who were getting ready to go deploy overseas, so they could better understand the culture. Like like religion is just it's all through me. But I'm not a Christian. Uh, I wouldn't consider myself to be a religious person. But I know the stuff, right? Sure. But there's a um, um, 
there's a, a prayer from the time that I was a child that was inside my house hanging up. And that's the serenity prayer, uh, prayer which is God grant me the, um, the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Uh, that, that prayer in and of itself, I think, has stuck with me not so much as a spiritual thing, but as a, as a logical thing of how I process information, right? When I look at something and I say, is this something that I can impact? Is this something that I can affect? If I can't, if it's too big for me to, or it's just completely out of my realm, then I don't worry about it. I don't, I don't sit and, 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 and dwell on that because there's nothing I could do anyway. The things that are within my realm of capability, the things that I have the skills, the experience, the connections, whatever to do something about, I better damn well get up off my butt and do something about it. And, and when I do, and I see positive things happen out of that, I can't help but get excited. Because um, it's not for me, it's for, it's for the people that are getting that help. And, and, and that, I think, comes to the, the wisdom side of, of knowing the difference between the yeah. things you can control and that you can't. And, and that wisdom ties back to the peace. Being at peace with the fact that there are just things that suck in this world and you can't do something about all of them. But the things that are right there within your wheelhouse to do something about, if you're doing everything you can about them and you can see the positive things that happen for one person out of it, then it should bring you joy. You should be able to, you should be allowed to enjoy that, to, to get that energy to go and do it again. Because the, the, the sum total of it is this. If you never set up a blog, if you had never set up a website, if you never did anything but say, you know what, I'm clean now, I'm going to go live my clean life, mm -hmm. and I'm going to take care of my family, and going to do that till I die. The sum total of the difference between doing that and starting a blog and having one person, one person be impacted by your blog and have a change of life is infinite. You literally made a difference of zero to one. And what is the difference between zero and one? It is infinite. So just doing one thing and making one difference for one person is enough to say, holy crap, I changed the world. But through this podcast, I'm able to do it over and over again. Through your, through your blog, through your website, you're able to do it over and over again. That's something to get excited about. And when the bad days come and when the, the, the crap days happen and when something else hits the news, it sucks, but you've got something there. It's, it's not a hopeless feeling because you're not saying, crap, I don't know what to do about this. You've already got something you've already built that you can do something about. You just throw more effort into doing that thing. <laughs> that was like really great to hear. Um, the serenity prayer had a big impact in my life as well. And I never been to church a day in my life. Um, I've been probably inside two churches. Uh, when I was younger, I, I was raised in Philadelphia and Quaker meeting actually has like a lot of the roots of Philadelphia as a city and like our country. And so I went to meeting a couple of times as a kid, but it never stuck with me. Um, I was always just kind of fascinated by science and physics. And so having those weird arguments in my head um, caused me a lot of confusion. And I, I was in like my 
early days of kind of turning my life around and somebody was explaining to me what the serenity prayer was actually saying. And ultimately it came down to control because knowing that you can't control anything. Well, trying to control things you can't control is, is the best way to like make yourself go crazy. Right. Yes. You knowing will go what mad. you can control is basically the path to serenity and obviously the wisdom to know the difference to me was explained to know that the only thing that you can and ever, ever will for your entire existence on earth be able to control is your reactions to situations. You, that's all you got. You can control what you do. And since like you can't ever live in the past, you can only control how you react. And from what you tell me and from listening to you, it's, it's so simple, right? Like, you can control how you react. Bad shit happens and you can react in many different ways. And you're making like the conscious effort to react in a way that brings positivity to this world. And man, like I, I didn't expect this, this conversation to kind of turn this path. Um, you know, you, you have a couple more like sort of entrepreneurial tips that I want to get into, but sort of just wrapping this whole concept up, man. Like I, I really, really commend you on, on, knowing the difference between the two because i've seen in my own life that that gets people really really hung up just trying to control things that they will never ever be able to to control especially other people and it's uh it's tough to live that way like it'll drive you crazy so just like once again man i, I applaud you on that it's it's super commendable yeah, I appreciate it. You're right, though, especially other people. You just can't control what other people do. Um, one more thing I wanted to hit, though, because it ties back to what we just kind of talked about before. Please. Uh, the mission and vision and the values, right? Um, when things happen that you can't control, got it. When things happen that you can control um, or that you can you can have a reaction to it that impacts it knowing what you're on this earth to earth to do and knowing what your values are and 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 having taken inventory of of your skill sets mm -hmm. right you, that even gives you more direction because it's not even a matter of i got to do something about this it is i've got to do something about this using the things that make me me that nobody else can do as well as me because that's why i'm here on this earth whether it's uh, that's why God put me here on this earth or whether it's that's why I am a part of this interconnected universe, mm -hmm. which is very much how I how I view it as well is very much a metaphysical. We're all connected through energy. Right. Mm -hmm. I am part of this for a reason. And the things that I can do in the and the way that I interact with the universe is unique to me. What is it about me that this situation needs? And let me go take action on that. It's beautiful, man. I I'm really think that people are going to get a ton of value from this podcast. I'm, I'm super excited. So switching gears, but kind of not really, that taking action, that adding value, um, I, I can't remember exactly where I, f I found it. And you're going to recognize it um, instantly when I talk about it. But outside of your, your Buy Black podcast, I saw a landing page set up for what I'm assuming is, is your course or maybe your consulting. And it was, um, 
it was a great landing page. The, the copy as a writer, like I, I, I'm, I really appreciate copywriting. I think it's like really beautiful and like one of the hardest things in the world to do. And when you nail copywriting, like the business benefits you get from it are, are crazy, like good copy and bad copy make, make a world of difference. And so I, I remember reading this page and really admiring the copywriting and it went, Along the lines, like, I want to teach you how I started a successful business without quitting my full-time job, because that's a huge thing that people deal with. It's, it's so impractical when you see people on YouTube, like, just go all in, man. Just quit your job. You got to burn the ships. You got to go all in. It's like, yeah, great. Well, I got like a family and I got kids and stuff. Like, I can't just, I can't just do that. Um, and I never, I never really saw somebody taking that, like, super pragmatic approach to it. So again, I don't have the landing page in front of me. I'm, I'm sure you know what I'm referencing to. And one, I want to hear how that idea came into play. But two, I also want to hear like what those steps are. How does that work? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that is, that is my website. It's dopebusinessplan.com, which uh, super proud of the acronym DOPE um, that I was able to come up with. And we'll talk about it here in a little bit. But yeah, so that was actually the the child of everything that we've already talked about. I had been in the corporate consulting world for uh, about six years when I first had when I finished my degree and when I first started working towards this podcast. You know, I was telling myself I got to figure out what this entrepreneurship thing is about, and so the first thing that I did was I I started doing some training on the side because i i'm a i'm a certified professional in learning and performance so i i know training stuff i know how to make training work and so i started doing some just independent consulting for other companies i would go out i would train their curriculum to other people and they would pay me and you know a little bit extra money on the side just a very small consulting thing um so i created a consulting firm for that you know quote unquote um and then that was nice, but that kind of already fit in the skill set of what I already was doing. And so mm-hmm. um, I said, I need to learn kind of the ins and outs of how, how do you run just a very basic, simple business? And I said, okay, well, the simplest way for me to do that in a very low risk manner, because what you said there is huge, right? I am very risk averse. I'm going to mitigate as much risk as I possibly can when I go out and take risk. And so uh, the the lowest risk way of starting a business that I thought I could do was to create a small e-commerce business, just selling things on Amazon. So that was the second thing that I created. I just um, set up an Amazon seller account and I did some research on retail arbitrage and I just started doing retail arbitrage. So for anybody who's not familiar with that, very simple. You go out with a little app on your phone and you go to the clearance aisles of different stores and you scan stuff and you find, hey, this is, I can buy this for this right here. It's selling today on Amazon for this, which means I would make a profit of X, Y, or Z if I sold it. Sweet, I'm buying 20 of them. And you just go out and you source products, and then you go and you ship them off to Amazon, you sell them on Amazon, and you keep the difference between what you bought them for and what you sold them for, minus Amazon's fees and all that kind of stuff. Very, very, very simple business model. I mean, it took, I started it with 200 bucks, and within the first month, I'd made like fifteen or sixteen hundred dollars profit. I mean, it's a very easy way to learn the ins and outs of managing a business without having to go all in and and 
and do all the expensive stuff. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. I, I am like honestly surprised that the margins on that would would be so good. <laughs> like that's sick. I'm like yeah, really it, excited about that. I, I love success stories. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's it's wild. The, and retail arbitrage has the highest margins. The the ways you can do it are retail arbitrage, wholesaling, or you can do um you can create your own private label product. Mm-hmm. Um the the margins are highest on retail arbitrage, but it also takes up the most time because you physically have to go out and source products. Uh, and so for me, I'm very, again, very risk averse. I turned down a lot of products that I probably could have made a marginal profit on. And I just went for stuff that I found that was really high return because I wasn't doing it a lot. Uh, I wasn't really doing it to make money, but I wanted to be able to, I mean, I'm not going to waste my time, right? I'm going to make a little bit of money, but it was really all about, Hey, I I have to manage an inventory. Now I have to manage the costs. I have to manage how much money I'm spending in gas driving around and and keep this mileage and and all of those things. So it was an exercise in, um, in running a business without me having to actually go and, uh, you know, spend a bunch of money to build a business. So those were two things that were happening. And then I had the idea for the podcast that hit. And so then I had, uh, I'm an independent training consultant. I am uh, doing the retail arbitrage on the weekends. I'm literally driving around the city and hitting different targets, Walmarts, Home Depots, all this kind of stuff. And then packaging that stuff, shipping it off to Amazon, some of the stuff selling on eBay, like that's taking up time. And then the podcast every week, whew. Yeah, editing man. and <laughs> producing and oh, oh my goodness, that podcast just sucked away the rest of my time. So I had family with four kids, full-time job. I'm doing training consultant independently when those things pop up. I'm doing retail arbitrage and I'm doing this podcast. I was, I was, I was beyond, beyond busy. I was not sleeping. And, um, so in very in a very short period of time, I realized, oh my God, this isn't going to work. I have to start. I have to figure out a way to automate this stuff. And so that was what I. That was kind of what started it. Is I just said, okay, well, let me find out what things I can offload from myself that can be automated, so that the only time I interact with people is when I really need to. And that was where it started. And then. After I got that stuff down and I got my life back, then I started seeing that there were other business owners who had the same problems. And so we started having conversations around things that they could automate. We started having conversations around, well, why does your business exist? Mission, you know, what are your values? What is your vision? Where do you want to take it? Um, and, And so as I started having conversations with more entrepreneurs for the show, I realized there were a lot of them who were stuck in that loop where they were just stuck in the business and they could not get up for air. And, and when you do that for a long time, your relationships start falling apart. You start getting into a place of really saying, man, do I have to give up this business and go back to work just to keep my family? Right. And, and I said, I know I can help because mm-hmm. I'm a process guy. I, I mean, I'm a performance consultant by trade, I know processes, I know structure, I know how to help you not just say, hey, automate your stuff and you're good, but literally how to walk you from setting up a mission, vision, and value, setting up some strategic goals, setting up an exit plan, which a whole lot of business owners say, 
I don't need an exit plan. I just started my business. It's mm -hmm. too early to think about that. Uh, no, begin knowing where you're trying to go. Otherwise, where are we, where are we going? Where are going to, yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> right. And, and so I, I started looking and saying, how can I put this into a structure where I can actually um, kind of help business owners in a structured way? Because I had been helping people, but it was all over the place. I can do a lot of things. I'm all over the place. And I said, I need to get this into a structure. So um, I literally sat down and I wrote out uh, hey, when somebody comes to me and they say, hey, I need to get my training program organized where uh, it functions better, what are the steps I go through? And I wrote out it was like seven or eight steps of things that I go through with a client like that. And when some business owner comes to me and says, hey, I've got an idea for a product and how do I do that? I wrote down how I would walk them through that thing. It was like seven or eight steps. And then I went through, um, I forget the other thing was, but it was basically a third thing that I've typically help people with a lot. And I was like seven or eight things. And so I looked at those three lists and I started just paring them down and grouping things together. And I said, you know, really I do the same process every time. Yeah. First, I want them to define their strategic objectives. And then we get organized around whatever that problem is. We get all the pieces organized so that we know what fits in what boxes and squares. And then we get everything prioritized and we say, okay, which of these boxes and squares do we need to hit first, second, third, fourth, fifth, last? And then once we get everything structured like that, we execute. It's like, oh, crap. Define, organize, prioritize, execute. That's dope. <laughs> <gasps> That's so sick. <laughs> you probably felt so proud of it. Oh, I was. I was together. so proud of myself. Immediately yeah. went out and I was like, domain name search. <laughs> yep, it's there. That's mine. <laughs> That's great, man. I, I love it. You were you were cracking me up. I, I never knew about the uh the term arbitrage, retail arbitrage before when I was really, really, really poor. When I first moved to Florida, there was this dollar store across the street. And uh, like, I still to this day can't believe that more people don't know about this. You can buy, this one in particular was the one I always went to. They had a silverware set that was like three forks, three knives and three spoons. And it even came in like one of those little plastic, I don't know, compartment things that you put like inside the drawer. And you could buy the thing for $1.29 and then go right onto eBay and sell it for like $5. And I would just do it. Like, sometimes I look back at that time in my life, like, what do these people at the dollar store like think when I just came in and I cleared out all their silverware every week? But, but man, like, I honestly couldn't believe that I found this, this thing that, I mean, it wasn't a whole lot of money, but at the time, like it would buy me, you know, a hot and ready pizza from little Caesars when I was yeah. like super, super skinny and hungry. Right. Um, I didn't know that like that was an actual like side hustle that you could do. I just remember walking around the dollar store thinking like, man, like this silverware is it's like a dollar 20. I think I could probably sell this for like four or five bucks online. And yeah. I just did it over and over again. Hey, so it's not just a side hustle for a lot of people. <laughs> I Real mean, business. It, it's it's millions and millions of dollars worth of business for wow. a lot of people. I mean, you can you can build a huge business just doing arbitrage, just going out and finding those things that are in the margins. And I think that's the beauty of 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 being in this particular society in the United States, right? Yeah. Like we have so much extra 
there's so much wealth that's just literally sitting around here that we don't even realize we have. I we have the problem thing, that there, there's stuff that nobody wants to buy and we have to put it on clearance to the point where we just, just please take this from me. I don't know what to do with it. Just take it. It's almost free. And there's a business there. Because yeah. somewhere else in the world, even somewhere else in America, their Walmart and Target don't stock those things, and they want them. Great. I know. Get it I, to I, them. I see Amazon gave you a platform to make it happen. <laughs> totally. That's it. Make it happen, right? Like, I'm not a big believer in, like, the whole hustle mentality, like, don't sleep, team no sleep, and all these ridiculous hashtags. Like, I... I believe in practicality and, you know, spending time with your family and doing your hobbies and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I also really believe in just making it happen. And, and when, when I walk around, like maybe it's just because I've been doing this for so long, I just see like money kind of everywhere and just opportunities everywhere. Like I just, I was mowing my lawn the other day and some guy was coming out of Home Depot and he just stopped me and he's like, Hey man, I cut grass. And I was like, Oh wow that's great. I'll probably call you to cut my grass. And we, we think of it like as not a big deal, but man, I, I would give that guy some money to cut my grass. And that's just like the simplest example that, that comes to mind. But I, I think it just connects on what you were saying, where there's just like, there's so much little tiny avenues for all of us to find some way to just turn a nickel into a dollar. And I, I obviously I sympathize and I'm, I'm always trying to help people that are on hard times, you know, but I just, I, I feel like, gosh, I, th there's so many ways to just make it happen. Like you said, and I, I struggle with that a lot in my head about people talking about being on hard times. And again, like people are on hard times and I'm, I'm definitely not saying that like, they're lazy or quitters or, or any means. I'm just saying that there's so many ways to do it. And I, 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 I want to have the enthusiasm that you have to just talk about some of these really, really simple methods where you could just make an extra like $15,000 a year because that's real money and that'll make a big difference in people's lives. Oh yeah. And, and thinking about it in terms of, of the small things, right? Like you, you said it wasn't a huge amount of money, but it bought me a hot and ready, right? It, it, it quenched my thirst. It fed my hungry belly. That's what the thing did. Uh, a lot sure. of times we think about starting a business and say, I got to become a billionaire. No, look at the bills you have today and say, okay, if this business can eliminate that bill and that bill every month. It's such a great analogy. And <laughs> it's so funny that you brought up the pizza. I didn't even realize I said that because in, in my business, when I find expenses that were just wasting cash and that happens, you know, but there was this pizza market down the street and slices used to be a dollar fifty. And I remember I would skateboard because I used to skateboard all the time. This is when I was like a kid, you know, like 10 to 15 years old. And I, I could scrounge up quarters. And if I was hungry, I would go get a slice of pizza. And I always think now, you waste $10, you bought something that didn't work, whatever. And I, and I say it to my, my fiance all the time too, when I'm like doing the budgets. I'm like, man, that was $20. That was like six slices of pizza. <laughs> and, and it's ridiculous. But I think to myself, that's two meals. You know, that is two meals that somebody could eat and somebody's hungry 
and that $20 could be six slices of pizza. It's, it's so ridiculous, but it, it's always kind of helped me like really appreciate the value of, of six quarters, you know? Yeah. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah. It stuck with me. Hey man, Gerald, this, this already went a little bit longer than I expected it to. I just, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. I enjoyed this conversation so much. Like, thank you so much. But before we sign off, I, I know we kind of touched on them. Please tell people where they can find you. Please let them know how they can reach out to you. I, I'll link everything up to the show notes even still, but I, I want them to hear it from you. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So um, for the podcast, if you want to find my podcast, super duper easy. Uh, first of all, if you're already listening to this podcast, that means you listen to podcasts. So you already know where to find podcasts. So just search by black podcast and you will find me on your podcast app. Uh, also, if you're just on the regular internets, you can go to buyblackpodcast.com. That's B-U-Y. It's in purchase. Um, and, and you'll be able to find the podcast there. And then as we just talked about a few minutes ago, uh, you can find me at dopebusinessplan.com. And my email, if you want to just reach out to me anywhere, it is going to be G-E-R-A-L-D at buyblackpodcast.com. And on all of the socials, I am at G-W-J-O-N-E-S-I-I, Gerald W. Jones II. You can find me there. Love it, man. Once again, I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate your time. And I, I, I truly hope that we stay in touch after this. You're like, you're a really good person. I'm, I'm glad you're on this earth. I appreciate Wow. See that, that means so much. And I think there's a lot of uh, people who wouldn't understand just how huge that is. But as a person who sees this universe, probably similar to you of we're all connected, right? Yeah, right. The whole thing is, is connected through our energy and when you put good energy out into the world, you tend to connect with people who put it, good energy out in the world. So uh, I'll reciprocate that back to you, Tim. You are definitely a good person. I'm super happy that you're here. We, we got to do some stuff together, man. For sure. I, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, let's keep in touch, man. Uh, thank you once again for being on my show. Thank you to everybody that's listening. Uh, Leave a rating, leave a comment. Most importantly, tell a friend if you get some value from my show. Gerald, my pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. I'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Awesome. Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.